0: with you tonight, would you open them please to the book of Genesis. We have begun a sermon series entitled The Patriarchs, a sermon series that will be covering the whole year as we look at Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and, yes, Joseph, we'll include him. And now we're focusing on Abraham, have been for the last few weeks. The title of our message is Pressing On. Genesis chapter 12, we'll be looking at the first 10 verses. And when you found Genesis 12, I want you to look up here at me. I don't know if Abraham ran track when he was in high school. But if he was a track star, he wasn't a sprinter. He was a marathon. Runner. God has called Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 God has called him to a ministry and God has told him to take that ministry to Canaan the distance from where Abraham is at to Canaan is 500 miles plus There's no airplanes, there's no helicopters, there's no buses, there's no cars, there's not even a bicycle. This journey to fulfill the call of God on his life, to fulfill the ministry that God has given him, will be, by and large, on foot. Abraham will go through droughts, but he'll press on. He'll go through dust storms, but he'll press on. He'll go through dangers, but he will press on. He will go through disappointments, but he will press on. The ministry that Abraham has been called to will not be a test of his abilities, but of his endurance, of his stamina, of his stick to itness, if you will. Abraham would have 101 reasons to slow down or turn around, but he doesn't. He was a God-called man to a God-called ministry, and he was going to fulfill it. We're a God-called people to a God-called ministry. Oh, that God would give us stamina and endurance to finish what he has started in us. What's the secret to not giving up? I believe it's concentrating on the call and on the task that God has uniquely given to each and every one of us and has uniquely given to us as a church. Abraham Lincoln told the story of a blacksmith. He told how the blacksmith heated an iron in a forge and made a horseshoe. Then he changed his mind. He reheated the iron in a forge, and he made a frying pan. Then he changed his mind again, reheated the iron in the forge. And he made an axe head. Changed his mind again. Reheated the iron in the forge. But now the iron had been shaped so many times, pounded so many times, it couldn't become anything. It was just a blob of iron. No longer able to be shaped into anything useful. In frustration... The blacksmith took that hot, shapeless mass of iron and he threw it in a water tub. And he said, at least I can make a fizzle. Well, ladies and gentlemen, if we don't have a concentration to the calling and a concentration to the task of ministry that God has given us individually and corporately, all we do when we go through life is make a what? A fizzle. Paul said, this one thing that I do, not these 50 things that I dabble in. Paul said, I know my calling, I know my ministry, and this is what I am focused on, this is what I am going to do, this is what I am going to fulfill. As we look tonight at the obstacles that Abraham faces... I remind you this is not just obstacles about a man who lived thousands of years ago to fulfill the call of God on his life. It's also our story and the obstacles that we face and the fulfillment of God's call on our life as well. So it's not just a story about Abraham, so you pay attention. It's a story about you and me. In verse 4 and 5 of Genesis chapter 12, we read, about obstacle number one. It's called the daily grind. The daily grind. It says in verse 4, Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Lot went with him. Abraham was 75 years old when he departed out of Haran. Abraham took Sarah his wife, Lot his brother's son, and all their substance that they had gathered, and the souls that they had gotten in Haran. And they went forth to go to the land of Canaan. And into the land of Canaan they would go. Seventy-five years old, God calls Abraham to the ministry, gives him a task, and says, I want you to do it. The task is going to require Abraham at 75 years of age. Now, I don't know how many of you are 75 or older. You don't have to raise your hand or point to somebody. But we got a few here. And those of you who are not 75, guess what? One day you will be. Abraham's 75 years old. God taps him on the shoulder and says, I want you to leave Haran. I want you to go to Canaan. I'm calling you to a ministry you cannot do here. You will do there. Bible scholars tell us that at least 30 families would go with Abraham. 30 households would pack up all their belongings and go with him. 30 households consisting of probably hundreds of people. In that group of hundreds of people, they'll be crying babies, fighting children, complaining teenagers, and don't know what's going on senior citizens. And Abraham's having to move every one of them. He's the man in charge. He's the point man. Not just does he have humans he's responsible for, but there's probably thousands of sheep involved, hundreds of horses and camels, scores of wagons and and, and carts. Abraham's in charge logistically of all of this. And he's 75 years old. He's got weather to contend with, robbers to fight off. He's got quarrels to settle. He has opinions to listen to. I'm surprised he wasn't ball headed Pulling his hair out at the roots. But that's what God called him to do and to go to. May I say to you, The job that Abraham was given was a thankless job, a frustrating job, an aggravating job, and that's to put it mildly. The only thing I can compare Abraham's challenge to in moving all of these people, all of the livestock, all of the possessions, is a mother. I think being a mother is probably the hardest job there is. And only a mother knows that. Somebody who was studying mothers came up with some statistics, I think, that are interesting. Maybe you moms would agree. In raising her family, a mother will fix 35,000 meals. Breakfasts, lunches, dinners. 35,000 rattling pots and pans to make a meal for your family. She will make 25,000 beds in her lifetime. 25,000 folding the covers, making the beds the way they need to be every single day, I suppose. She'll do three miles of vacuuming and sweeping in her lifetime. Three miles. Twelve laps around the track of pushing a vacuum in her lifetime. 17,000 washerfuls of clothes. And if you put them in the washer, where else do they go? Into the dryer. If they go into the dryer, they're going to go, and go on a bed. And if they go on the bed, they got to be what? Folded. Then they got to be put up. 6,300 baths. 6,000 toilet bowl cleanings. Now, that's what moms are going to do, according to the experts, in their lifetime to raise their family. And they do it over and over and over and over again. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, then they're through, right? No, they start right back over. I believe if you ask mothers, they would tell you that it is boring, it's monotonous, it's not something they're overly thrilled about all the time. That it wears them down, it wears them out. It's just a daily grind. But they do it. Because God has called them to be a mother. And when they were called to be a mother, they understood. Or they are understanding the responsibility. The daily grind of responsibility can wear on you. And Abraham has the daily responsibility of keeping up with this caravan of people and livestock and possessions. A soldier was asked after the Battle of Iwo Jima what bothered him most about the battle. And you know what he said? Sand in my boots. It's the little things of life that wear us down in fulfilling the call and the ministry that God has on us. How did Abraham overcome the daily grind? How did he fulfill his task and not just pull his hair out by the roots, as I said earlier, and say, heck with this nonsense and go back? Because he remembered who he was. He was not a tour guide. He was not a referee. He was not a babysitter. He was not a cheerleader. He was not a nursemaid. He was a God-called man to a God-called ministry. That's who he was. Moms are not diaper changers or face wipers or meal cookers or bottom spankers. Moms are God-called moms. And their ministry... Is their family. Our tasks do not define our position. Our position defines our tasks. And Abraham knew who called him, and he knew what his ministry was, and he knew where it was to be at. And therefore, the daily grind of putting up with things that were petty and trite and seemingly insignificant, he put up with, just like moms do. I also want you to think about another obstacle that he dealt with. It was called the responsibility, as I alluded to a little bit earlier. Whenever you're put in charge of something, you're not only in the position, you get the responsibility that goes with it. These people that are following Abraham, when there's a problem, where do you think they go to? Help me out now, where do you think they go to? Abraham. When the livestock are in need, where do you think they go to? Abraham. When there's a problem with their possessions, a problem with this, a problem with that, where do they go to? They go to Abraham. Abraham has the responsibility of this entire people and everything that they have with them as he leads them to Canaan. Only somebody who's in leadership understands the pressure that's on leadership. If you're an employer who has employees under you, you have the responsibility of those employees, do you not? It's not just about you. It's about those men and women that are under you, that depend on you for their paycheck, for their sustenance of their family. So every decision you make, you have to take in consideration, or you should, your employees. Anybody who's ever served in the military, You understand that when you're given a responsibility in the military, it's not just a responsibility about you, it's about the men and the women that will be under you. Their lives are in your hands in so many cases. You have that responsibility to not only bring them safely into something, but bring them safely out of something, where they don't come back to their families in a wooden box If you're a principal of a school, you have the responsibility of the teachers there. You have the responsibility of the students there. Every decision you make is a morale decision or an education decision. If you're the pastor of a church, and we have some pastors here today, they would tell you, my staff will tell you, I'll tell you, every decision we make is not just about us, it's about you. Have you ever wondered why presidents serve four years or maybe eight years in office and when they come out, they look like they've been there for 50 years? It's the responsibility that crushes these men. And Abraham had that responsibility. He had the burdens, he had the pressures, he had the stress that comes from leading people. When I come home from church on Sunday Sunday, I'm not tired physically. I'm tired mentally. That's why if you call me on Sunday night and I sound like a mumbling, bumbling idiot, I am. I don't have nothing up here. I'm empty. I've given it. You see, Abraham had the responsibility that was mentally, emotionally, and spiritually taxing to take care of all of these people that God told him to take with him in the fulfilling of his calling and ministry. Now, how do you handle that kind of responsibility? You have to stay close to the Lord in prayer. You really have to find your resources from God. And you have to stay physically fit, spiritually fit through prayer, physically fit through taking care of your body. It's very important you stay on your A-game. So Abraham's been called to a ministry. He's been told to take his family with him, and he does. He faces the daily grind of dealing with people and, and livestock and possessions. It just goes on over and over and over again. He faces the responsibility of every decision he makes is, is a decision that is going to affect a lot of different people. Which means he better make the right one. Verse 6, we see something else that is an obstacle to his pressing on. An obstacle to our pressing on. I want you to notice in verse 6, it says, that Abraham passed through the land into the place of sychem unto the plain of Morah. And the Canaanite was there in the land. The daily grind causes some of us not to fulfill the call and ministry God gave us. The heavy responsibility causes some of us to to stop and to drop out from the call and the ministry God's given us. Evil people can sometimes cause us to stop and give up the call of the ministry that God has given us. You see, Abraham is moving his family to the land of Canaan. As they're going there, they're starting to see some of the Canaanites. The Canaanites were very wicked people who did very wicked things. They were known for idolatry. They were known for immorality. The Canaanites sacrificed children to their pagan gods. They worshipped serpents. They practiced prostitution. They, They were participants of homosexuality. They delved into pornography. They were a very profane and vulgar people. That's why God did not want his people to associate with them. To keep a distance from them. And Moses has to deal with them. Now you might say, Pastor Abraham was like Superman. That stuff didn't bother him. Oh, it bothered him. There's not a godly person here tonight who won't tell you they're not tempted. Your pastor is tempted. Pastors here are tempted. Sunday school teachers are tempted. Small group teachers are tempted. We're all facing temptations. And there's a temptation out there with your name on it too. And if you're not careful, he who thinks he stands will come crashing to the ground when that temptation becomes a sin. And so Abraham is facing this evil as he's leading his people to Canaan. And Abraham is tempted. He's tempted to compromise his beliefs and his behaviors to accommodate these evil people that he might be able to move through their land without problem. Are we not asked to compromise sometimes? Are we not asked? Are we not asked to go ahead and be social drinkers as long as you don't get drunk? How many pastors stand up in the pulpits and tell their people it's okay to to drink alcoholic beverage socially, recreationally? just as long as you don't get drunk. Aren't we tempted sometimes in that area? Aren't we tempted to compromise our convictions about sex being for a husband and wife and under the covenant of biblical marriage? By saying, well, we love one another, so it's okay, I guess, if we cohabit together and have sexual relationships. Eventually we're going to get married. Eventually we're going to get married. Are we asked to compromise even now with marijuana? It's okay to smoke weed as long as you do it in the privacy of your own home and it relieves your stress. It's okay to steal as long as the person you steal it from doesn't know you're doing it and they don't need it. It's okay to be worldly and carnal and corrupt as long as you put Jesus' name on it. And I really believe, you listen to your pastor, the hottest parts of hell is going to be for people who use the name of Jesus for their own pleasure and profit. You better be careful how you use the name of Jesus. His name is holy as was prayed for a little bit earlier. You see... Abraham faced temptations as he led the people of God in the fulfillment of his call and his ministry. And whenever Abraham was tempted, most of the time his answer was no. Is it easy to say no to temptations? (laughs) No. But he had a love for God, a belief in the Bible and an inheritance to righteousness. And because of that, he was not going to allow sin to derail the call and ministry God had on his life. I've been in the ministry 33 years. I've got a list of names that I could tell you, but I won't, of men who started out to serve God, but they fell into sin and they serve him no more. So there's the daily grind. There's the responsibility, the crushing responsibility. There's the temptation to sin that some men fall into and women fall into. And they never finish what God called them to be and to do. And then lastly, there's another obstacle that we contend with. Now remember, this is not just about Abraham. God's called you to a ministry you he didn't save you just to sit in a pew and look at me he saved you to have a ministry to serve him to fulfill the call on your life that only he's given to you to fulfill the purpose to complete the task and sometimes the daily grind of life sometimes the crushing responsibility sometimes the temptation of sin keeps us from ever doing that One other thing, verse 10, the pains of life can also be a problem. It says in verse 10, and there was a famine in the land, and Abraham went down into Egypt to stay there. For the famine was grievous in the land. We have some preachers today who tell us that if you're a Christian and you love Jesus and you have enough faith, you'll never have a problem in life. All you'll do is walk on the smooth streets that are paved with gold, smell roses, bask in the sunshine, and be healthy, wealthy, and wise on your way to heaven. you don't believe me, watch your Christian TV. That's about 90% of them. But you listen to me. Our Christian faith, our love for the Lord, is not an immunization shot from the pain and suffering of this world. Some of God's greatest men and women have suffered greatly in their service to him. And Abraham is leading the people of God on a call, on a fulfillment of his ministry that God has given him. And he's facing some things that he's not supposed to face according to these joy boy preachers. He's facing a famine. The land is dry. The grass is brown. The animals have swollen tongues and are falling to the ground dead. Families are dirty and thirsty. And the people are even fearful of dying themselves. And they're all coming to Abraham saying, do something. It's not supposed to be this way. We thought if we followed you and you're following your God... Everything's supposed to work out. It's not working out, Abraham. What's the matter? You think serving God's a picnic, you're wrong. There's joy in it. There's peace in it. There's hope in it. But there's headaches and heartaches in it too. And some of you know that very well. Some of God's choices servants have cancer. They suffer from heart disease, they have dementia, they go through separations and divorce, they file for bankruptcy and live in poverty, they have wayward children, they have imprisoned children, God's servants get flat tires, their cars break down, their houses leak, they have broken windows. You see, many of you think, I I wish I could be Pastor Jim. I wouldn't have no problems. (laughs) (laughs) I'll trade places with you. I wish I could be like Pastor Norman or Pastor Keith. Man, they just got it made. They work three hours a week. Pastor lets them do what they want. If they were Methodists, they wouldn't even do that much. I'm telling you, all of us who claim the name of Jesus are subject to the pains of this fallen world. And when we walk through this fallen world, we're going to walk on feet that are bleeding from the glass and the rocks and the metals of junk that litters the world that we live in. How do we keep on? By keeping in our mind that it all is going to pass one day. Nothing's forever but Jesus, amen? I don't care how hard you have it and the call that God has put on your life, the ministry that God's given you, just understand, it's not forever. It's not forever. Remember, God's grace is sufficient. We throw that term around all the time, but I'm telling you, it's a Bible fact. His grace is sufficient. You don't know that grace till you need that grace. But when you need it, he'll give it. And we all know that better days lie ahead. If you're not a Christian, this is as good as it gets. But if you're a Christian, the best is yet to come. Our story has a happy ending. It surely does. So, in closing, we looked at Abraham, but we're looking at a who else? Ourselves. My challenge to you is to find your calling. God called you to salvation, but he also called you to a ministry. And every one of us needs to have a ministry here. You say, Pastor, I'm 80 years old. God's got a ministry for you. God doesn't accept retirement. When God retires you, he retires you in heaven. As long as you got breath, you've got a ministry, you need to know what your ministry is, and you need to be moving toward that ministry. Not 50 ministries, the one ministry that God has given you. You need to be about fulfilling your purpose. When God gives you a ministry, He doesn't want you to do it with mediocrity. He doesn't want you to do it part-time. He doesn't want you to do it when you feel like it. He gives you the ministry that you might be excellent in it, effective in it, constantly, continually doing it, that you might make a difference in the world that you live in until you go to His world. He doesn't want you to give up. He wants you to go to distance. He wants you to stay the course. He wants you to press on. And when God is ready, he'll call you home and then you can retire. at shady rest on Hallelujah Boulevard. Abraham, what a story of a man who pressed on and finished what God called him and to do as we shall see in the weeks yet to come. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed.